0: I'm Kim Grendels of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Ecklin. Opening game at Husky Stadium, 7:30 kickoff against the Kent State. This is Kent State Flash. I keep I heard hockey call them the Flashers, and I keep on wanting to call them the Flashers, but
1: yeah.
0: Uh, so, but 7:30 uh, kickoff, and if you didn't get a chance to listen to the podcast I did with Alan Moff, we posted Friday morning. Uh, he pretty much breaks down the entire team, you know, offense, defense, in each position. Really good stuff from Alan Mom. Alan Moff. Uh, So if you get a chance to listen to that, you'll get a good idea of what to expect from Kent State. And uh, I thought it was kind of funny where I was talking to him and he says, you guys think you hate 730 games? He goes, it doesn't start till 1030 back here. He said, you know, so by the time that game starts, a lot of people are going to be pretty well inebriated. So it'll be pretty interesting. He said, you know, Kent State's got alumni all up and down the West Coast. So he expects some people to be there. So it'll be interesting to see how many. People will be there expecting a small crowd tonight for tonight's game, so uh, we'll see what happens. But 7:30 uh, kickoff, the debut of Kalen DeBoer and staff. And uh, hey, just real quick, Scott, we'll just go over the uh, what's new. There's some changes for game day coming up.
1: Yeah, uh, the big the, there's a couple big ones. One is the mobile concession ordering. Um, and, uh, I guess there's new point of sale, uh, the main concourse, there's a stand outside of section one Oh four and the mid upper North stand, uh, outside of section 327. It basically just lets you order mobily and, um, and lets you order self do yourself ordering. And so you don't, and then they'll have it ready for you. Uh, beer and wine throughout Husky stadium. I don't, was that, that, is that new that year? Is this that new this year? Uh, I don't know. I didn't know if.
0: I haven't ever had beer, wine, in husky. State. Yeah,
1: me either. So, uh, ticketed uh, entrance improvements, and uh, another big one is the um, the the no well, they have the no reentry, but uh, the big one is the uh, the dog walk, um, which had come through um, the what are, what do they the call zone. that? The zone. Z- they had come through the zone before, but now it's going to be going through the dog walk entrance, or not dog walk entrance, but the dog pack entrance um on the on the west side of the stadium so that's going to kind of be a big thing
0: and we've got all those changes on the front page just look for the article is what's new and uh that'll be on the front yeah. page but highly recommend if you're going to the game that you give that a look see and uh you know make sure that you're aware of some of the changes instead of being surprised so we, You know, we'll just say we told you so. It was up there, so it's mm-hmm. on you. But uh, 7.30 kickoff with the debut of Michael Penix. I think that's going to be pretty much the um, the key story, and all eyes will be looking at Michael Penix. Chris, what do you expect to see out of Michael Penix tonight?
2: Yeah, I would, I would add real quick, too, that uh, if for those people looking at it for the radio, if you can't make it to the game, remember KGR now is not AM anymore. It's FM. 93.3 instead of 950. Um, I would say Penix. It's going to be real, real interesting, obviously because of the connection between Kalen DeBoer and him when he was at Indiana. That's the main reason he came to Washington from Indiana was because of his relationship and his understanding of that particular offense and how well he performed in it. Um, again, the, 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 the what's the what's the big thing with Penix though? The mo is is durability. I mean, he comes to Washington with a really, really impressive record of games that he played when he was healthy, but he never made it through a season intact. I mean, he only played an average of five to six games every year and then would miss usually the the rest of the season um, due to to an injury of some sort. Um, So, you know, he looks 100 percent healthy when we got a chance to see him perform in April and uh, early on in August. And so I, I, I expect that he's going to do a good job. He understands it. Yep. The terminology is the only thing that's going to really change for him. But um, yeah, I mean the, the, dur- the durability factor, Kim, that's the thing that, that will interest me the most if he can play every single game this season. And obviously, well, I
0: think, yeah. And I think he's going to take some added measures and I'm sure the coaches have told him and he knows better. Let's not put yourself in danger.
2: Well, but I don't necessarily remember if putting himself in danger was the reason he got hurt. Um, You know, guys get get hurt in regular football plays every single day. So um, it's just going to be – hopefully it's not a luck of the draw situation. Hopefully he can do things to minimize um, his ability to to stay upright and and to be a factor in the game. That's going to be the most important thing.
0: Did either of you get a chance to watch the Fresno State game uh, against Cal Poly? I did. I a little bit of it. How much of that offense is going to be what we're going to see tonight?
2: Well, that's a great question because I don't know how much of it is still DeBoer and how much of it is Jeff Tedford putting his fingerprints all over it, which I f- would fully expect him to do. I mean, to me, it looked a lot of – it looked very Chris Peterson-like, very obviously spread, a lot of spread concepts. Um, tried to run the ball a little bit but didn't have a ton of success. They mostly relied on Jake Haner throwing it all over the place – um, which they did a decent enough job of it um, still forcing some things um, kind of the way he did at Washington, but that's the gunslinger mentality that he's, that he's known for. Um, but I, again, can you're, you're going from a defense or from an offense last year and John Donovan that wanted to play in a phone booth and they still wanted to throw the ball, but they were predicated initially on a downhill run game to, an offense that's gonna that's gonna be more spread. They're gonna play a lot more on the edges, yeah. it's gonna be more multiple, but they still but they still have to have that downhill run element. That's why they brought in a guy like Wayne Telepapa, who had an MO at Virginia of being a third down guy, a short yardage guy, but now he's yeah. gonna be their every down guy. So we'll see how that works.
0: And, Scott, you know, when you take a look at what to expect for Kent State, you know, let's on a scale of 1 to 10, how much of the playbook is – and how much of the offense do you think that they will open uh, against Kent State tonight?
1: You better open everything that you need to win this game. I mean, they held stuff back uh, when Washington ended up playing uh, Montana last year, and we saw what happened. They need to win this game. So I would, I would imagine you're going to see – 60 70 80 percent whatever it takes to to win this game so i i hate the things of uh let's hold backs for michigan state or let's hold back you know don't worry about that stuff you know you can always add stuff later worry about winning this game that's a big thing
0: And it's going to be interesting, you know, with uh, Kent State, you know, they were defending champions uh, of their conference uh, division last year. They're favored to win their conference this year on a vote of the coaches. But, you know, they've got some issues defensively. They've got a new defensive coordinator. They brought in nine uh, transfers. And uh, I guess they've got, you know, six, seven deep up on the defensive line. But, boy, the rest of that defense, I'm sure the Kent State fans are going to be holding their breath the entire day.
1: Yeah, there's there's a lot of grad transfers that are in, that I'm, I'm looking at their depth chart right now. I'm seeing one, two, three, four, about eight, eight on the defensive side of the ball yeah. that that are in the two deep. So, um, but they do return their their top sack guy from last year, uh, CJ West, the defensive tackle, six two, three hundred fifteen pound guy. Um, they do also return their top, um, interceptor last year. He had, um, uh, four and that was Montre Miller, the cornerback. So, um, you know, they, they have some guys on the team, but you know, if, if you look at how Kent state's defense did against some of the, the, cause they played at the end of the season, they played, um, I want to say, what was it like five, five or six, um, I'm sorry, uh, three or four uh, power five schools, and they just ran all over them and didn't really allow the offense to do much. So um, that's going to be kind of interesting for me to watch, you know, can they get some stuff done against Washington? So and that's why this is such a big thing for Washington, because why you can't hold back, because you don't know a lot of these guys that they're going to have. And you're just going to have to go out and worry about what you can do.
0: Chris, they're returning, you know, they're bringing in Michael Penix, who's got a lot of experience in this offense. But uh, I think the biggest question mark on the offensive side of the ball is four of your five starters on the offensive line uh, are first-time starters or, or new starters and uh, Nate Coleppo, um, Corey Luciano, Roger Rosengarden, and uh, Troy Fautano.
2: Yes, yes, and, 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 and yet at the same time, there's some there's some experience there. I mean, Luciano obviously he's a senior. Um, you know, both Coleppo and Valtano are, are fourth. Uh, would it be considered fourth year sophomores with the with the 2020 season? So they you know they they've been around. Um, they understand what's going on for sure. Um, what was interesting? They're they're going up against and, and Scott mentioned all the transfers and stuff for Kent State. I just noticed seven of their players that are starters on their defense are listed as graduate students. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. Um, So this is obviously a very experienced group, even if they are going through a full on change with a brand new defensive coordinator, a guy that was the longstanding coordinator at uh, Northern Iowa, if I remember correctly. So they're going to, they're going to be going up against, um, you know, not the defense that was at Kent state last year, which is unfortunate for Washington because last year's Kent state defense was horrific. I mean, statistically, they were as bad as Washington was offensively. Um, so it's kind of a good thing that both sides, I guess, changed kind of the trajectory of where they were going. Um, but yeah, the offensive line for Washington, it's going to be really interesting, obviously not having Jackson Kirkland there. He's having to sit out the the game because of, of the, I guess you call it a penalty for, you know, waiting too long to fill out the paperwork to try to get his, um, eligibility reinstated. So the NCAA decided to dock him a game, which, okay, fair enough, but um, that's disappointing. But these guys like Fautanu and Kalepo, and they've played in, in plenty of games. They sh- they shouldn't have a problem. And, and of course, because Jackson Kirkland wasn't here in spring, guys, they've had plenty of time to play right next to each other. They did it all spring long, and then they knew once the NCAA reinstated Kirkland, they knew he wasn't going to be available for this game. So they've been practicing a lot like he hasn't been a part of this
0: thing. It usually seems like the uh, quarterback is the leader of the offense, but why do I get the feeling that the quarterback is not leading the offense right now? He's not the team leader. Why do I get the feeling it's Wayne
2: Talapapa,
0: the starting running back transfer?
1: I I don't know. I think Michael Penix is. That, yeah. I mean,
2: I, 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 I'm not sure I, I would agree with I that. I don't
1: agree with that. I don't agree with your statement, Kim. I, I mean, Wayne Talapapa mm-hmm. definitely is a leader and I mean, there's a reason yeah. he was voted
2: they're both captains
1: um, they're both captains though so you know i i i just think michael penix is that guy everything's going to run through him he's going to be the point guard and it's his job to get things done and get that ball distributed out to the playmakers
0: yeah it's going to be interesting to watch the running backs you know with a couple of years ago we thought that that room was absolutely stacked and you know, the top two running backs in the room right now are both transfers. And, you know, we're expecting Talapapa to get a, a majority of the carries and then Will Nixon after that and Cam Davis. And that's pretty much what it sounds like the uh, the rotation's going to be.
1: Yeah, hey Kim, What what was your reasoning why you think Talapapa is the leader?
0: It's just see, he has that quiet presence to him. He's not really outgoing, and it's kind of like he's he's an older guy, and he's kind of like the father or the grandfather out there. Where one guy might be the vocal leader out there, but it just seems like people just kind of look over to him for that approval. The coaches really trust him, and just the way the coaches talk about him, I just get that feeling from him that he's just such a important part and maybe a little bit more of the glue guy and that experienced guy. And, uh, you know, that that's the guy that they may lean on.
1: Okay. All right. You I, know, I don't disagree with, with that reasoning. I just don't think he's the leader of the offense. I, I, I think that quarterback is the leader of the offense.
0: Yeah. I mean, maybe one, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, you know, just, you know, we'll take a look at it tomorrow, but like I said, it just seems like he's a real key, important thing. And the coaches are really, um, uh, putting a lot on him. How old is he? Is he 20, 24, 24. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um. He went on his two year mission and, and then came back and played four years at, uh, played four years at, at Virginia.
0: And maybe that's why, because he handles himself like an adult.
1: So, yeah, Not mm-hmm. saying that Penix doesn't, but, uh, you know, uh,
0: there's a big difference between a 24-year-old and a 19-year-old. So, mm-hmm. uh, um, And the other thing, too, is just taking a look at the wide receivers. Uh, you know, uh, Coach Grubb made it a point to say that uh, Romo Dunsey is the guy who can blow the top off the defense, and it'll be interesting to see. How many long balls they throw, you know, to uh, Rome to get that to happen. And just, you know, uh, I'm pretty excited to see these wide receivers.
1: Yeah, I am, too. Chris, I, I don't know if it took you aback a little bit. I was expecting him to say Jalen uh, McMillan um, when when we asked him who could take the top off of the, the defense. And when he said Romo Dunsey, it isn't that I think Rome was slow. I just think Jalen McMillan is probably the fastest wide receiver of this group. And You think you so? Know, Oh yeah. I mean, Giles Jackson is, is, is quick. fast too, but I, but I, I think he's more quick than fast. Um, I, I just, Jalen McMillan, when I watched him in that, uh, in the, well, it's not the army all American game at the all American game. Um, when he took that pass from Bryce young and took it 75 yards against some of the best players in the entire country. And he just outran him, just ran right between them, screwed up all their, their angles that the defensive guys were taking. And, you know, after I saw that, I was like, "Yeah, that guy's a blazer. He can run."
2: Chris, yeah, I, I don't doubt it. I mean, I, obviously, he's a he, he's a guy that's super fast, and he was super fast in high school. But if you if you gave me a match race between Adunze and McMillan right now, I think Adunze wins. Hmm. I,
1: yeah, think, I
2: think I think he's I think he's faster than McMillan right now. That's and we take.
0: We've all heard Coach she- Shepard say that he wants these receivers to be takers, you know, and he wants them to go after the ball. And I just can't help but think that you know that's that's something that Jalen McMillan really needs to work on. When we take a look at his performance in the Apple Cup, he wasn't exactly a taker. So I'm I'm intrigued to see uh, if um, McMillan goes after the balls in a different manner than he did last year.
2: Yeah. I mean, you look at the, you look at the game winning touchdown at Stanford last year, that was one where it was a fade and it was in the corner and he, he beat his corner and you know, that was a great play, but you're right. Those are plays where, the ball's coming to him. He's outrun his defender. He can go stretch out and get it. Um, That's one form of taking, but you're right. In terms of the 50-50s, in terms of coming back and getting balls and being aggressive that way, um, there is a part of that game with McMillan that that isn't maybe as strong as some of the other guys. Um, You look at a guy like um, Lunata Alexander, Jr. Alexander, you know, he's a guy that, that seemed to be really, really good at the 50-50 balls, at least what I saw this spring yeah, coming back out, like in the spring game and stuff. He seemed to be one of the best at it. The other guy that I think has, has done a really good job, not just this spring, but especially the, the first six practices we saw in August, was Taj Davis. And I think that's one of the reasons why he actually won a starting job over um, Jalen Polk, for instance. So I just think they like his attacking mentality. And he's uh, and he showed himself, I think, to be that kind of guy this fall.
0: You know, with uh, losing Cade Otten, you lost a big receiver uh, out of the offense. And is it me or is it just been kind of quiet with the wide receivers, both spring and fall?
1: You, you mean, mean
0: tight, tight ends? ends? Tight ends. Excuse
1: me. Um, You know, I I don't think they've been as quiet as I expected them to be. Honestly, I thought they were going to throw the ball around a lot more to the. To the wide receivers, but you know, I've, I've Jack Westover has had practices where he caught a ton of passes. Same with Devin Polk. I'm sorry, Devin, uh, Devin Culp. And, um, you know, I, I they've been more active than I expected them to be. Um, I'd like to see Quentin Moore get some more reps in there, too. So, Um, You know, with those with those three, I think Washington's in pretty good shape. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting because Washington fans got so used to the Huskies running in a lot of 12 and 13 personnel. And now they're going to be running maybe 11 personnel more more, and zero and 10 personnel most of the time. So um, I don't know how many times you're going to see a tight end get in there and get reps.
0: Hey, Chris, just taking, you know, previewing the offense. Who's the one guy on the offensive side of the ball that you're most interested in seeing?
2: I think it's both the the new running backs. I think it's Talapapa. I think it's Will Nixon. I want to see how those guys can impact the offense. Um, You know, Ryan Grubb, Lee Marks, they brought these guys specifically in, obviously because they they saw a running back room that on the surface looked great to everybody on the outside, but on the inside they understood that it was in complete disarray. I mean, half of those guys are gone. More than half of those guys are gone now. I mean, obviously you had Sean McGrew and Kamari Pleasant that were graduating, but then you don't have Caleb Berry anymore. You don't have a Mecca Megua anymore. Um, you know, guys like like Richard Newton hasn't been able to do anything because he ha- he can't get healthy. Um, the only guys that, that really have been able to come back and do anything really uh, in spring was was Jv on Sunday, and then you bring Aaron Dumas in. Aaron Dumas is a guy that I I thought for sure would have gotten a ton of touches in this game today, and now I'm not even sure he's going to see the field at all. He might be behind Sam Adams. It just, yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the running back room has just been such a crazy dynamic from the very beginning when we saw all these guys coming in and on the outside, we're all sitting here going, why are are they stocking up on transfer running backs when they've got so many bodies in that room? Well, we found out pretty quickly why. And so I'm really curious on how that remade room is going to perform tonight. Um, Again, they're they're going up against the Kent State defense that's got its own problems. So hopefully Washington can take advantage of that with the things that they're going to try to do. But yeah, I'm really curious to see how that room works.
0: Scott, who are you most interested in seeing on the offensive side of the ball tonight?
1: Well, I would have said Will Nixon, but since Chris said both of the two, uh, you know, both of the two running backs, I'll go with um, Troy Fawatano. Um, I I just I. The guy has not started at left tackle before, um, and it, I think he's only got a couple of starts at uh, guard. So, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do. The the when they got him back in, gosh, what was it, 2019 or whenever, whatever that year was. I think they got him in 2018, signed him 2019. But whenever he, whenever when they got him. I think there was a lot of excitement from the staff. I mean, Scott Huff used to say that he could play anywhere along the offensive line. He's that that kind of a body, that kind of a talent, and uh, now we're going to see how how good he can really be because this could be a, a dress rehearsal for him being the left tackle for Washington starting next year after Jackson Kirkland leaves, or he could be a guy that we just decide, hey, he's probably better as a guard, and we'll we'll let the let the um, you know, the, the tackles kind of figured themselves out by some of the guys we brought in. And, and so, um, yeah, I, I would say, and we could probably say both of the tackles, Rosengarten and, and, uh. And Fautanu, because they're going to be key in this game.
0: Yeah, and I'm most interested in seeing Roger Rosengarten with the left handed quarterback. That right tackle becomes more important than the left tackle. So, really excited to see him and how he's able to handle it. Uh, I think, you know, getting his feet wet with this and then next week with Portland State will be huge for uh, coming up against Michigan State who's got a really really good defense but uh, Roger Rosengarten he's a highly touted a recruited guy and when uh, Washington got his commitment uh, it was a pretty big deal so seeing how he performs out there on an island I think is going to uh, be real interesting luckily he's uh, next to a veteran you know who's been around a long time and Henry Bain of all who so he can lean on Henry a little bit but uh, I think that's the position of uh, the you know to keep an eye on but also you know you know, this is a this is a good Kent State team so um a lot of people are expecting a blowout I think that by the middle of the third quarter they'll start to pull away a little bit. Do you guys anticipate seeing a backup quarterback anytime tonight?
2: I don't know. I, I I don't well again I mean it's pennies. Yeah. It's 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 just you don't know. And so it's you, you don't you don't anticipate it, but those guys are one snap away from playing for the rest of the season. So they're always having to be ready and 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 on kind of high alert. Um, you know, it's interesting the, the whole just going back real quick to Rosengarten, I find it really, really interesting that this whole time we've asked him about the difference between a right hand quarterback, left-handed quarterback. Do you are you, you know, have you moved a guy like Rosengarten, for instance, from the left side to the right side because of potentially having to be the guy, the the athletic right tackle that has to protect? the backside of a left-handed quarterback and they, they claim that they're not, they haven't thought about it in the least like that. I kind of wonder though, because yeah. he's, he's very athletic and, and, and he's probably, you know, if people were looking at it down the road, like if, 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 um if for instance, Kirkland hadn't been able to come back for 2022, would it have been Fautanu being the left tackle all year long? I wonder I wonder if Rosengarten wouldn't have been that guy. So that's that's kind of what that's kind of what I, I wonder if after Kirkland, they look at Rosengarten actually as the next best tackle. If you if you take the sides out of it right. and you just pick the best, most athletic guy you have to take a one on one situation, I think they look at Rosengarten as being that guy right after Kirkland.
1: And we're and we're assuming that Kirkland is gonna be full go. I mean, uh, Kalen DeBoer came out and said, or maybe it was Ryan Grubb, I can't can't remember, but one of the two of them said we're being smart with him and bringing him along, and he'll be available in some capacity for Portland State. And that, to me, says that he's not back.
2: Well, I also think that if if they're trying to be careful with him and whatnot, there's no reason to push him against Portland State. Now, that being said, if anybody saw the result between Portland State and San Jose State on Thursday night, (laughs) Portland state almost won that game. I mean, they almost pulled the Montana. So I I really hope that Washington is not looking ahead to, to Michigan state too much. Uh, I hope they're giving due deference to Portland state because they're going to come here ready to play.
0: Hey, Scott, um, you know, getting back to the quarterback situation, if we do see reserves in if Washington is able to pull away in the third quarter and there's adequate time where they actually put uh, Dylan Morris, the number two quarterback in and there's enough time left in the game. Would you see a, um, a possibility that they split those reps between Dylan and um, and Sam Heward, where they may give Dylan that series, but then the next series give it to Sam, or would they let Dylan finish the game out if there's a I, full quarter? I
1: think, I, I think it's a good question. I think the I think for this game they'd probably just stick with Dylan, let Dylan run it. And if he's your number two, you let him be in there. And then maybe next week, if you're playing Portland and you get out to a big lead, then maybe you split the reps between the two of them.
2: My my opinion is they, I think they play, they would play both depending if it's, if it's midway through the third quarter and you can give each one of those guys at least a series, I think they do it.
0: I will be down on the sidelines
2: tonight and
0: uh, I'll be keeping track. I'll keep, I'll be keeping tabs of that. I'll, you know, if, I'm not saying there's going to be a blowout, but if there's an opportunity and guys start warming up, we'll be all over. it. So make sure you're on the message boards because we'll be reporting stuff at a lot of the times that you just won't be able to see from the stands or see from the TV. So I'll make sure and do that. Hey, we're going to take a quick break from our sponsors. And we, when we return, we're going to talk about uh, the Washington defense, all of that and more when we return. It's the guys from Dogman.com on Dogman Radio.
2: Welcome
0: back. I'm Kim Reynolds with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. 7.30 kickoff tonight against the Kent State. Why do I, I – just going to keep on doing this
2: golden flashes
0: they, man golden flashes I just keep on softy got in my head so um, I'll do my best but uh, 730 kickoff again take a look at our front page on what's new at Husky Stadium before you go to the game you've got to want to make sure it's going to make things a lot easier than to be a little bit confused when you get there so make sure and take a look at that um, I know that I've talked to some of the UW officials and they were a little nervous about some of the changes that they've made and people not being aware and it being a little bit chaotic so uh, make sure and take a look at that but but uh, when you take a look at the defensive side of the ball, again, you know, when you take a look at the leader on the defense with Eddie Ulafocio being out, it sure seems like the transfer starting at linebacker Cam
1: Bright is the guy. Yeah, De- definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's you know, again, he's
2: just like we talked about on offense. We talked about Penix and Talapapa. I mean, here's a guy that was named a captain and he's only been here, what, six months? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eight months. I mean, it, it, and again, he was a captain at Pittsburgh, so it's not surprising, but again, this is, this was a targeted, uh, use of the portal to try to find some immediate help, not just in a, in a position of need because of Ulufosio's injury, but also to try to get someone that can come in and immediately add that veteran edge, you know, that, that, that idea that they can come in and immediately kind of put their stamp on things. And I think he's done that. And I think he's done a pretty good job
1: of it. When when it comes down to it, I mean, Michael Penix is always going to be looked at as the key transfer on this team because of the importance of the quarterback position. But I think when it's all said and done, Cam Bright and Jordan Perryman will be looked at as the two most important gets out of the transfer portal for the Huskies by the end of the season.
0: Scott, I think Husky fans may be a little bit surprised, not the hardcore people that are on our site, but This is a totally new defense. This is not a Jimmy Lake defense in playing the safeties way back, playing the corners way off coverage. This defense is going to attack. It's going to be aggressive. And all, I mean, for the past several years, we've been talking about the lack of long plays given up by the Husky defense. This defense is going to give up long plays. How long is it going to take for fans to just go absolutely crazy on that?
1: Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, you're not the one reading our message boards when, uh, you know, monitoring the game day (laughs) board when when stuff like that happens. But they are going to get sacks. They are going to force turnovers. They are going to run around and make some plays, but they're also going to give up some long plays. So just be ready for it you're not used to it because of the way Jimmy Lake and Pete Kwiatkowski ran their defenses. So um, Washington is going to be really aggressive up front. I think that's going to cause a lot of problems and I think it's going to benefit them way more than it's going to hurt them, but it is going to hurt them at times.
0: Chris, you're going to be able to see safeties and corners on your TV screen when the defense lines up.
2: Yes, that (laughs) will be, that will be a welcome change. Um, Yeah. But you know, again, they're they're going to be going up against a really, really prolific. They call it flash fast offense. Um, just to give people an idea, you know, Kent State played twelve or fourteen games last year. They ran over a thousand plays, and Washington in twelve games ran about seven hundred and eighty plays. So it's. <laughs> It's it's quite the difference. I mean, they they really want to get up and go. And they were number four in the country for total offense. They ran for all. I mean, they totaled almost 7,000 yards last year, 6,933 yards. They averaged more yards per play than Alabama. Um, So people should get ready for this. This is, you know, I asked, uh, you know, during the week, I asked all the defensive coaches, you know, how – how can you get prepared for something like this? You know, I asked Anoke Brechterfield, how do you get your defensive lineman prepared to run a situation like this? And he goes, hey, we're going to be running in our, our groupings and we're going to try to get guys in all the time. You know, he wanted to try to get a six man rotation going no matter what. And so he goes, yeah, we may be rotating guys more often than normal, but that's, you know, that's what we have to get used to. And, it, and going up against not just Washington's scout team, but just their regular team and the way they want to dictate tempo and the way Washington's going to try to do that, much like Chris Peterson did, they feel pretty confident they can get in there, get lined up, do what they have to do pre-snap. But it's going to be a challenge.
0: When was the last time we saw a 250-pound running back?
1: Yeah. Toby Gerhardt?
2: Um, yeah, I don't, Who's that You mean, not, not, not a starting guy. He's not a starting guy. This guy, Brian Bradford, he's not a starting one. And, uh, apparently their back, their actual backup is hurt right. according to, uh, Mole or Alamoff. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, you know, we, we talked about in the first segment about Wayne Talapapa having that MO as being that short yardage. Uh, goal line guy. Well, clearly this is going to be their sure so if it's third and one, we know who's getting the ball, right? It's not going to be a mystery.
0: Yeah. Um Scott, how good is Jordan Perryman?
1: Um well, I have I've been saying it since I saw him, man. The guy is going to be the next in line to get drafted, and I think he's a, you know, a day 2 guy in the NFL. I doubt he's a first rounder, but uh, I think with his talent, with his length, with his ball skills, with his toughness and physicality, he's not gonna blow you away with his speed, but he never. He, I don't know, Chris, if you saw this, Kim, I don't know if you did either, but he always seemed to be running right with the wide receiver. Yeah. Every time. I mean, it, nobody got deep on him, and I'm talking the the fastest guys on Washington's, uh, you know, wide receivers. I, I, I just, I'm really gonna be watching uh, to see how he covers, because you know that he's got to be the guy that they're going to task with covering that wide receiver from, uh, um, you know, Dante, is it Cephas Dante Cephas? Yeah. yeah. Um, You know, I mean that guy, that guy was their number one pass catcher last year. So that matchup, Washington doesn't play a lot of, Uh, situations where the the cornerbacks move but there will be times when you'll see the cornerbacks not play a side they'll they'll actually go with the best receiver and i think jordan perryman's that guy who he'll probably follow Dante cephas around the field and they're about the same size i think they the that's going to be a fun matchup to watch
0: perryman a little bit bigger than uh trent mcduffie chris
2: oh yeah oh yeah mcduffie's 511 and and jordan perryman's legit six foot 200 pounds yeah, he's, he, he has. He's not a he's not a
0: small a skinny inch. guy. He's not a small skinny guy at all. Yeah,
2: he has, he has at least an inch or more on McDuffie, and probably about ten, at least ten pounds. So yeah.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's real interesting because it just seems like he he's just really rock steady out there. Not a really loud guy, but he just seems to always always be there. So uh, that's definitely a guy to keep an eye on. And I just think what's really interesting too, because I thought Carson Bruner at the end of last year was just playing at a really high level. He's not even. A, he's not even starting. Well, hold on. I want to go back and say, were you
2: saying that Perryman's not a loud guy?
0: I didn't think. I didn't see that much. You know, uh, you, know I you didn't
2: count. watch his swag. <laughs> I you must have missed it? it. Are you serious? I must have missed it. Yeah. Well, you missed a lot then. Yeah. He, he's very confident. Very yeah. confident
1: guy.
0: Yeah. Are you kind of? Are you, either one of you kind of surprised that Carson Bruner's not starting?
1: Well, well? I'm. I. I think coming into the spring, I would have said. I would have agreed with you that I I would be surprised that he wouldn't be the starter, but after watching the way uh, Tupatala has played and, and then Cam Bright, I just, I don't. I didn't see a spot for Carson Bruner in that starting lineup. He'll be one of the first guys off the bench, though, and and he'll get a lot of playing time. He'll still he'll still get a lot of reps during the season.
0: But Scott, if I told you at the end of last year that you know they would both be healthy and Tupatala would be starting over Carson Bruner, I would you?
1: have. I wouldn't have agreed with you. I, yeah. I I didn't. I wouldn't have thought that. But you know, as things have kind of gone on and and having the context of spring ball and and things like that, I I just the way tupatala has played it seems like he's picked up things really really well he's run into the ball really well he's a he's a great tackler um and you know not that carson isn't any of those things i just i think that he's been the steady presence and that's what the coaches have said is his steadiness and how he brings it every day and and his his just the way he flies to the ball i think that's what sets him apart and I think what the difference is, Scott,
0: is you covered him during recruiting. And I remember the first time meeting him, I thought he was a pretty thick kid, yeah. you know, and for a linebacker. And boy, just seeing him this um, this fall, he's not thick anymore.
1: No, he isn't. He's a lot smaller than I had remembered him,
0: definitely. Yeah, yeah I mean, just there's, there's, a, there's several guys on this team right now where these guys have no guts. I mean, he's pretty
1: lean.
2: I think that one of the reasons why... You know, maybe everyone was really high on Bruner and really weren't thinking that much about Tupatala is that what's interesting is they they really came on the second half of the season. Actually, both of them did. But the problem was is that Tupatala didn't even play um, the first six games of the year because he was still recovering from right. the offseason injury that he had. And but Bruner came up, and then obviously that game at Stanford really solidified himself as a guy that people needed to watch as an up and comer And then obviously his name, brought instant credibility and recognition as well. Tupital is still a guy that played in the last 5 games of the season and in those 5 games he had a tackle for loss. You know, he started to make an impact a little bit. He had at least a, a tackle in every single game. So he was he was coming on. I don't know if people really noticed it or realized it at the time, but he was starting to make his mark a little bit.
0: One of the um, when you talk about Cam Bright and you talk about Jordan Perryman being the stalwarts on the defense, what we get to see at practice, uh, we didn't get to see a lot of scrimmaging and there wasn't a lot of contact. But I think the guy that uh, could be real interesting to keep an eye on and could have a breakout uh, game is uh, Tule Latula Gasanoa, because we just haven't been able to see that much contact. But he's the big guy and he's going to anchor that defensive line.
1: Yeah, and what's going to be real interesting to watch is who lines up next to him. I I think you're probably going to see Quopehapa be the guy who lines up next to him, um, but MJ Ale, I'm sorry, UluMu Ale is, is, is will get some reps, I think um as long as he's good to go it sounds like he's pretty darn close to being good to go um Fatuui Tuuitale I think that's another one to keep an eye on so there's a lot of guys that are going to be rotating through but yeah I mean tule is the glue that holds everything together I think what he can do up front from his quickness and the way he kind of gets after guys we saw him running in pursuit I've been watching some old games this week and just kind of watching how the defense flowed to things and tuatele and and uh and uh Thule both when they were in they caused a lot of problems for teams up front and I think that's going to be huge uh, for Washington and 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 keeping this um, flash offense down you know I if they're going to hold these guys in check at all it, it's got to come from that defensive line and the edge guys really
2: I know Fatui's in there a little bit as a veteran guy but I think when you looked at the depth chart I don't know if you guys really noticed that but I thought it was really really telling that they have uh, Fatui to even below Voy Tanufi, and that tells me that he's not he's not there yet. He's not one hundred percent clearly. Ole is going to be a really interesting test case to see if they start with him. I you know guys, no one's talked about Jacob Bandis. Bandis is a guy I even asked Brechterfield about it. You know he says yeah, he's absolutely a part of the rotation. He's going to get plenty of reps, uh, you know, in the game, and 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 he's a guy that people shouldn't be sleeping on. So I, I think it's going to be really, really interesting too, and I and I also agree with Scott that uh, I think P- uh, P- Pejopa is going to play a, a very big um, function in this in this game.
0: Well, they're going to rotate guys in like crazy.
2: Well, they're going to not just rotate in guys like crazy, but I think you're also going to see situations where they're going to maybe move some of those edge guys inside, where maybe you see Trice or you see Jeremiah Martin all of a sudden playing some some three techniques. Or some things like that when they're when they're anticipating not just pass plays, where they go maybe a little smaller, a little quicker. But I just get the sense, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I just get a sense that these guys are so high on the edge group that they want to try to get as many of those guys in there as possible, kind of wet their beaks, get them going, get them moving upfield, get them attacking and being aggressive. Um, we'll see how that works. And, and it's not too diminish what's going on with the defensive line room right now, but I yeah. with Ole and with Tuatele not being at hundred percent, you know, that's gonna limit a little bit, I think, of what they're gonna be able to do inside.
0: Yeah, you know, Chris, you, you I kind of chuckle a little bit because you're men- mentioning, you know, the starters and the depth chart because we've been pretty much accustomed to looking at the depth charts that have been released and kind of chuckling. I mean, we've seen depth charts with guys listed as starters who aren't going to play, you know, and the depth charts have meant nothing, you know. But uh, it seems like the depth charts that these guys are releasing actually, yeah, they mean something, and they're true.
2: Well, I mean, you, you know, you talk about Ale, for instance. We saw the play where he got hurt, and it looked nasty. Um, he, couldn't, he couldn't, you know, he had to get carted off the field. It was not great. But when Breckterfield says on on Wednesday that he's out there and he's running around and he's getting some stuff done, you got to take him at their word. I mean, I don't I don't think they if if Ollie wasn't at least available or wasn't at least trying to get some things done, I I just don't think that they would be you know talking about that kind of stuff. It just wouldn't make any sense. That said, you're right. There's no doubt that that teams and and coaching staffs in the past have used these things either as smoke screens or they'll just put out one and it will never change throughout the year, even though we know guys are hurt. We know guys won't be available for whatever reason. And yet we see the same thing every week. So it's easy in the media to get a little jaded on these things. But I I agree 100%, Kim. I look at this depth chart right now, and at least based on what we saw in the first six practices in, in August, this looks about what I would have said especially knowing that Jackson Kirkland wouldn't be available. If we knew that, that offensive line looks pretty bang on to what we saw.
0: Scott, what Oregon says they're not going to release them? They're not going to release the depth chart?
1: Yeah, well, maybe not for Georgia. I, I think after that, I think they probably will. I think Dan Lanning... Uh, I was that's, watching that's it. head
2: games guys. That I has know. nothing to do with actual people. It's yeah. laughable. It's laughable.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, but you know what? I, I could have seen Jimmy, Jimmy Lake doing something like that. Oh, yeah. kind of. But you know, it, I just, I'm like, come on, give me a break. Does that really even matter? Does that really, do people even really care?
0: Yeah. Who's starting at quarterback for Oregon, by the way?
1: Uh, oh, I think. I, oh, oh yeah. It's going to oh, be next. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I mean, he hasn't announced it any he, and he kept, he kind of got ornery with people when they were asking him about it. Um, but, uh, you know, I I don't see any way it's not Bo Nix. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes from there. But, uh, you know, Ty Thompson is a guy that I, I just.
0: Well, the I, fans I, want I, Ty Thompson.
1: Yeah. And I I loved that guy coming out of high school. And I thought he would have been great in their offense. But it, apparently they, they like Bo Nix a little bit better. All right,
0: Hey, getting up back off of Oregon, but uh, yeah. you know when Coach DeBoer and, um, you know, the entire staff, when you ask him about, uh, you know, the group that's really exceeded spe- expectations, I, I think everybody to the T has mentioned the edges and they've got four guys coming off the edge and they're going to be able to rotate some of those guys in. But, uh, you know, who's jumping out at you off of the uh, edge of those edge guys?
1: Uh, well, for me, it's it's Zion tupuola Fatui, and it's not that I didn't expect him to, but with him running second, um, all through spring, and then basically all through fall camp, um, I I was like, maybe this guy is going to get frustrated, but I saw a guy blowing guys up, I saw a guy running around, making plays, there's going to be times when you're going to see him and Braylon Trice, who's the probably of the two starters, uh, Jeremiah Martin and Braylon Trice, although it's listed as an or, um, but if you if you just had Braylon Trice and and Jeremiah Martin as your two starters at edge, um, I think you're going to see uh, Zion in there as a as an edge and take taking Martin's spot. So you're going to have the two pass rushers. And then what I think is really interesting is you could see if Washington wants to go big, they go um, Jeremiah Martin as a with his hand on the ground. And you put Zion and, Tri- and Braylon Trice as the guys in the outside. I think you could see all three of those guys in at different times.
0: Chris, when Jeremiah Martin uh, transferred here from Texas A and M, my guys down at Texas A and M said he was just a guy, but it sure seems like he's really uh, had the switch uh, flipped for him because he's uh, to me he may be the most improved player on the defense.
2: Well, he's he's a he's a captain. Um, they clearly put a lot of trust in him. Uh, there's no doubt that he's kind of revamped his game because if I remember correctly down in Texas A&M, he was more of a of, an, of a just an end but like a bigger end and and I think now he's leaned up he's playing more of that kind of that edge outside linebacker that they brought him in for um at least under jimmy lake and and we've seen even in the past where he can drop into coverage and be a real problem you know he he, he should have gotten his hands on a couple of interceptions last year um he should have had those but you're right I mean there's no doubt that they lean on him heavily to be a guy in that locker room to be a leader and I think he's shown up um I think the guy that's really surprised me and and it shouldn't be a surprise because he came into Washington as as being one of the most touted guys to ever to ever come to Washington was Savelle Smalls and if you talk to Eric Schmidt who I think is one of the best coaches to talk to uh out of this staff in terms of getting some insight, not just on his players, but on the defense in general and special teams. He he's been raving about smalls, especially the last couple weeks. He really feels like the light's kind of turned on for him. And that's that should be new that should be music to Washington fans' ears. Because I think every Washington fan has just been waiting for that guy's for the light to come on with Savelle. And if it has, if it really, really has, and we see him going out there and really doing a lot of damage tonight against Kent state, then that could really, that could, that could be the thing that really catapults him and and turns him into a, the kind of special player that we all thought he would be.
0: Yeah. And I think you're exactly right that if he's able to make a couple of spat last plays and play well tonight, um, that would kind of be the jump start he would need to, you know, maybe become the player that was expected out of him out of high school. But Scott, you know, you again, you you've known Savell for a long time, and he's a great kid. He's really smart, and um, I think it's just he just needed to grow up a little bit, which most do. But I think that he has really grown up, and that maturity has kicked in with him.
1: Oh, absolutely has, and you can see it when he runs around and makes plays. You know, uh, last year I remember fall camp. People getting upset with me in my in my uh, practice reports asking, where's Savell? Why is he not practicing? Why isn't why aren't you reporting on him? Because he wasn't doing anything. That's why he wasn't doing anything. And he is now he has been doing things. He's been making things happen. He's forcing fumbles. Um, you know, Eric Schmidt, uh, just to refer back to what Chris was saying. Eric Schmidt basically said on uh, I think it was Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. He basically said that the last 10 to 14 days have been his best practices since he's been here. So, um, that's, that's saying a lot to me. And, and I think the switch has come on for him a little bit. I think the fire has been lit under him and I think he just, I think he's, he knows this is his time to step up and make some, make some noise.
0: When we return, we want to touch bases with you, Scott, on uh, recruiting. Just uh, we'll touch bases on that and wrap it up. So uh, more on that when we return. It's the guys from Dogman.com on Dogman Radio. Welcome back. I'm Kim Reynolds with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. 7.30 kickoff tonight against the Kent State Golden Flashes and uh, game is on FS1. Is that correct, Chris?
2: Yes. 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 And not, I was going to say not not to not to joke on the on the Golden Flashes anymore, but obviously I'm, I'm sure they find themselves to be the, the 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 butt of many jokes with their last name with their with their <laughs> with their team name. So I for some reason I always think Golden Girls. I'm thinking menopause. I'm thinking really weird thoughts when I hear the name Golden Flashes.
0: Not going there.
2: <laughs> no, you shouldn't. I don't know why I did. But it, I, it's I, funny
0: because people ask me what channel the game is on, and we never watch it at home, so we never. I, I never know. Um, you know, my my mom used to call me and ask me, and I'd have to look it up all the time. So but yes,
2: it, getting back on track, it is on on Fox Sports One. Yeah, not uh, not the big not the big Fox, but Fox Sports One.
0: Yeah. So, um, hey Scott, um, kind of quiet time during recruiting. I'm expecting to see some guys on the sidelines tonight, but I'm expecting to see a lot more for the Michigan State game. Uh, update us a little bit on some of the conversations and uh, messages that you've had this week with some of the recruits, and just give us a general overall update.
1: Well, uh, I mean, if you go back and look at my blog from this week, I listed off the 2024 guys who've told me that they would like to make it up for a game this this uh, this month, and and uh, check things out a lot of it's going to depend on when their their games are and, and when they are able to come up like a game like tonight where they're not it's not kicking off till 7:30. some of these guys that have late games on friday they can still fly up at like nine in the morning instead of a, a you know breaking of dawn uh kind of you know where they have to get out at six o'clock in the morning uh to fly out but you know i mean you're probably gonna. Uh, I mean, the guys that I expect to be on on campus later tonight are Jacob Lane, the, the commit out of um, out of uh, Emerald Ridge down in Puyallup. He's an edge player, um, and I expect. Uh, Uh, Landon Hatchett to be there. I I expect both of them to to be there. I would also expect several of the 2024 in-state guys, maybe even some of the possible walk-ons, guys that Washington's looking at as possible walk-ons. So I don't think you're going to see any out-of-state guys on campus, really, if there is. Maybe it's a Portland kid who wanted to come up and watch a game. But, um, you know, I I think Michigan State's the game that we're kind of aiming toward for that to be a big visit weekend.
0: You, know, you hate it when I do this. How many commits are there? Do you know off the top of 19. And how many more do you expect them to take? Five to six. Okay. And I'm thinking they may not take that many.
1: They might not. They might not. Um, I, I I still think they want to get a wide receiver. I still think they want a tight end and an edge and a defensive end and a, and a safety. I still think they would like to get all those.
0: Yeah, I still think that it's, uh, you say they're going to take five. I think they may only take two and save three for the transfer portal.
1: Well, that or maybe they know of some guys who are probably going to be leaving that they can fill in with. So, you know, who knows? We'll yeah. See.
0: No, yeah. Interesting to keep an eye on that. And any updates on any of the guys that they're after right now? Anything new to update on?
1: No, no, not really. I mean, R.J. Jones, Ashton Sanders, those are two guys who decommitted from Cal. And I think Washington's in on both of the guy, those guys. Sanders is a D, D lineman's. 6'3, 290 pounds. And RJ Jones is a really long safety prospect. I really like him a lot. Um, I think he's probably going to end up standing in, uh, in, in like a, down at UCLA, but who knows uh, how that kind of goes. Um, and then uh, wide receiver, I think they want to get at least one more in the class. And uh, a lot, there's going to be a lot of movement there because uh trayshawn Ly- Tayshawn Lyons is a guy that they liked a lot. And uh but then they held off on him because they wanted to get some other get a look at some other guys. And I think you're going to see kind of a reset there. I did a reset article on that, and I think they're going to get a reset on the reset. So um, that, that's, kind of, that's a position that's kind of in flux right now.
0: You know, sometimes, Scott, when you take a look at the end of a recruiting class, sometimes you look at you're just trying to fill in. But I don't get the feeling with that with the limited spots that are available right now. I'm kind of getting the feeling like those spots that are left those are like golden tickets right now. And yeah. those are like gold. And those are they're going to be really particular on how they fill those out.
1: Yeah, they are. They are. They really are. You're 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 100 percent right on that.
2: Kevin. Well, guys, I I, I want to add real quick, too. I asked the specifically about, you know, we we talked about the kind of the, how they're going to round out the class and stuff. And Obviously, he can't name names. But when you talk about numbers, he he admitted full on that, you know, they're going to probably try to keep a couple in their pockets for the portal. And you, and you yeah. just have to do that nowadays. That's just kind of a function of of kind of where we are in, in this day and age with recruiting because you're not just recruiting the high school guys super hard anymore now you you might go back. And start to re-recruit guys you recruited in high school that are in college that are now in the portal. So and you got to recruit
1: your own guys too.
2: Yes, and so they're they, exactly you got. Sometimes you have to recruit those guys to come back. So they're they're recruiting on a number of fronts, but in terms of the numbers specifically, DeBoer basically confirmed what I would have suspected is that they're they're keeping a couple in the back just in case because you never know. Based on if if guys get hurt during the season, they might have to reload with a veteran guy from the portal. To fit a particular need like a like a Chris Mole or a or a Cam Bright with the linebackers, or you know, a guy like Wayne Telepapa. You know, they find a grad guy, a grad, a guy who was a captain somewhere else, two, three year starter who needs who wants a fresh start, could get has cool. his grad year. And There's a got, lot of different options.
0: And Scott, without name and names. Local guys who thought the grass was greener elsewhere,
2: wanted to come back home. Yep, yep.
1: And yeah, you've
2: seen that you've saw you've I seen can that see a, a lot
1: in basketball. But well, yeah, l- that, Let's just Apple put it too. this way. I talked to uh, some people affiliated with one of the local uh, workout, uh, you know, the one of the local seven on seven things. And they said they, they said, yeah, there's going to be some guys that went out of state that are going to be coming back.
0: And if you want to know who those guys are, yeah. just send a direct message to Scott. Ecclen, I was gonna say, now,
2: now you're going to get people really wound up. <laughs> yep. I haven't done that in a while. I'm due. No, 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 I'm saying Scott's gonna get guys wound up. You, we know what you already do. <laughs> mm-hmm. All
0: right, hey, wrap it up, Chris Fetters.
2: Yeah, I just think tonight's gonna be really, really interesting. I, I again, we know in the past that there that that certain staffs have been caught with their pants down because they have been looking ahead. Uh, I don't think that's gonna be this staff because I, with a first-year staff, I just think they understand how important it is to make the right first impression to really hit the ground running. And especially with a team coming off a four and eight season, they want to wipe that taste from their mouths in a big way. They want to leave this place better than how they found it. And so I think you've got a a lot of guys that are motivated. And again, it's so much easier to pull those guys back when they're chomping at the bit as opposed to having to really motivate them. I don't think this team has to be motivated at all to try to take on this this particular Kent State team and they're going to they're going to present a lot of challenges. Again, I've harped on it all week. This offense is going to be I'm I'm not saying it's going to be anything different than what people have seen before. They just do it at a different pace. Their tempo is going to be interesting to watch. So that'll be that'll be something that that I hope Washington fans take note of. But I'm really, really excited to see how this new look offense is going to go up against a a, a totally revamped Kent State defense that has a lot of veterans on it. But they're going to be bringing in a brand new scheme, a brand new guy coming in. And he wants to make his impressions known and and really lay his marker down, too. So a lot of interesting storylines tonight. But uh, I do think at the end of the day, Washington's going to get it done. They may not. You know, they may not come out of the gates fully firing. There might be some things here and there they have to deal with. But ultimately, I think they win by, you know, 10 to 14 points.
0: Scott Eklund, wrap it up, because I know that uh, 730 starts are your absolute favorite.
1: Oh, yes. I love them so much. Um, I would say, you know, this is I, I'm just excited. I mean, I. I am excited to see what this team looks like. I think they're under great direction. Um, I think they get a win. I don't think it's going to be as by as big a margin. It's going to make some people happy. I think they're going to get the win. Um, I think they're going to score pretty well. I think this offense is going to be fun for people to watch and you're going to see some guys step up that we haven't seen for seen step up yet. So, uh, just keep an eye on those things. Um, as far as, uh, you know, getting a win, getting over, you know, I think another big thing is coming out healthy. Get, keeping this team as healthy as possible as they uh, as they try to move on through the season. Getting to that Michigan State game with 100% health and, and all your guys available. That is going to be a huge key for the University of Washington.
0: Yeah, just looking forward to getting football back started. Um, you know, Thursday night, I've got three TVs in my living room and watching three football games all at the same time is pretty awesome. And, you know, with the NFL season kicking off, you know, watching the Mariners, uh, on uh, one screen and two football games on the other. This is just, uh, I know it's not football weather out there, but it's, uh, cool time of year and it's it's just what we do and um it's a good gig just a reminder for people to uh take a look at the what's new at husky stadium article so uh you guys know what to expect and just you know read that so you're not surprised when you get there um also just when we're heading in to do uh player and coaches interviews we're walking through heckhead and it's always fun to see some of the basketball guys i saw terrell brown a couple of times this week and uh watching will work the guys out as well as his small Son, Will Jr., and Jamal Crawford's kid. So boy, those two kids are going to be the future of basketball in Seattle, watching those two guys. I was hey, giving little Will Jr. a hard time of, about asking him how big he was going to be. And he goes, well, At least 6'3, hopefully 6'4. And I said, It's kind of tall for a running back, isn't it? And he goes, I'm done with football. He says, Yeah, I've heard that before because he's a pretty dynamic. <laughs> uh, hey, player. hey, Kim, real quick,
1: yeah. I'm sorry to refer back. I wanted to interrupt you before you started the basketball stuff, but the um the What you need to know uh, article will be pinned on the main um, page, and we'll also try and pin it up on the game day board as well.
0: All right. Yeah. And for those who post in the game day board, yeah, we're going to be more heavy handed this year than last year. So I know it's a late start and you guys are going to indulge, indulge your uh, adult beverages, but uh, let's behave out there. So uh, just a reminder, if you're looking for those um, daily updates as well as breaking news alerts, shoot us a note. Husky at Gmail dot com. Subject line newsletter we will get you hooked up. Also, just for those who are not subscribers, 75 percent off. Is that running till Monday or Tuesday, Chris?
2: It's running through the weekend. I think it goes at least until Monday or Tuesday.
0: Monday, and think, Tuesday. seventy-five percent yeah. off your annual subscription. So
2: yeah, we won't be running any more promos until at least Black Friday. Yeah. So, so if people, this this will take you through the season. This is this is the best offer by far we're going to do all year long. This is the this is the time to jump on if you've always been kind of curious but haven't but haven't gone in with both feet. This is the time to do it. This is going to be an exciting time for Washington football. You want to get in on it for sure.
0: Seven day trial period. If you're not happy with what you're getting, you can go ahead and cancel within that seven day period as well. So uh, for all of us at dogman.com, just real quick, one more um, prediction from you guys over and under. What time do we get out of there tonight, Chris?
2: Um, I'm always saying seven hours from game time. So what is that? I'm doing math in my head. Two thirty. Two thirty. What's over and under, Scott?
1: Between midnight and twelve thirty.
0: You're not getting out of there that quick.
1: Yes, not we are. Watch. <laughs> it ha- it'll happen. Watch.
0: Not a chance. So, yep. hey, hey, from all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenald, along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go, dogs.